0: This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm and Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit.
1: America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com, americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at AmericasRT. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable!
0: This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're delighted to host the Commonwealth of Virginia's Attorney General, Jason Miares. Mr. Miares' story begins with his mother, Miriam Maria Miares, who fled communist Cuba in 1965. And she instilled in her three sons a deep appreciation for freedom and America's constitutional principles. And from 2015 to 2021, Mr. Miares served in the House of Delegates, and in 2021, he was elected Attorney General. And on this note, we welcome Attorney General Jason Miares to America's Roundtable. Welcome and good morning to you.
1: Welcome, Attorney General Miares.
2: Good morning. So great to be able to uh, join you all this morning. I appreciate you all having me.
0: Absolutely. Attorney General Miaris in America and much of the West were witnessing the deterioration of the rule of law and protection of private property rights. And our fellow citizens in America are witnessing the erosion of law and order. And in the midst of these evidences, the rallying cry from America's left is to defund the police and to weaken judicial institutions. And a year ago, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, citizens who were deeply concerned about these very issues elected a new leadership team to strengthen the rule of law and shore up law and order in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And you and Governor Youngkin are addressing these issues head on. Could you share with us the strategic initiatives Operation Ceasefire and Operation Bold Blue Line and the financial investments being made to bolster concrete actions and Perhaps could this be a template for other states countering the tidal wave of high crime rates?
2: Well, you made a great point. I don't think I'd be in the seat that I'm in. I don't think we would have won. There's a lot of factors why we had our historic election uh, in Virginia. Uh, Crime was uh, definitely a big factor. I remember on election night when the results were coming in, one of my political advisors said, hey, if we pull this off, you'd be the first candidate to defeat an incumbent uh, attorney general in Virginia since 1885. And I remember thinking, I'm glad I didn't know that when I was thinking about running, but, but there was a lot of factors. One, obviously, as we know, the parental rights issue exploded in Virginia, but it was also public safety. There were too many uh, law-abiding Virginians that were looking over their shoulder in fear when the people that should be looking over their shoulder in fear of the law breaking. We had a murder rate the highest had been in decades. And, you know, I think Governor Yunkin and I, we both think one of the most important qualities a elected leader can ever have is just to listen. And so our first couple of months in office, we met with the stakeholders. We met with law enforcement, law enforcement community leaders in different areas of Virginia that have been particularly uh, troubled by by high crime. And there's a couple of things that stood out. Number one, uh, you know, has been said that that, that uh, crime can uh uh, that the poverty can produce crime. I also think crime produces poverty. I think you have these areas where you know two-thirds of all new jobs are created by small business owners. Small business owners do not want to relocate uh, in a high crime area because they they're worried about that, they're worried about the impact of their employees. You're seeing national corporations like Starbucks shutting down uh, coffee shops in areas they determine as high crime. So number one, we realized this is having a huge impact, not just on safety, but general livelihoods for Virginians. And then we talked to law enforcement. They were so demoralized. They felt there were so many elected leaders that were working against them, not with them. And so we first really, our first uh, first step was to make them feel valued. They, they As one um, law enforcement officer said, it's great to see a light at the end of the tunnel and not have it be an oncoming train. I mean, that that was a little bit of what they felt, and so the governor puts some historic uh, pay increases for law enforcement. But, you know, we call about that thin blue line that separates society from chaos and th- that, that law enforcement represent the thin blue line and gotten too thin. We have some of these areas where you have 20, 30 percent vacancy rates where officers just don't want to do the job. And so uh, the governor's side of the equation is going to be the bold blue line initiative where he's going to be putting an enormous amount of resources of both pay. And also recruitment—not just Virginians, but going into other states. If you live in a state, if you're in law enforcement, whether it's New York or California, or if you're in a locality that maybe doesn't appreciate law enforcement, come to Virginia. Uh, We're going to be literally spending money on a marketing campaign, saying this is a pro-law enforcement state. Come join and and bring in uh, law enforcement from around the country. On my side, Operation Ceasefire is looking at what is the most effective tools. To lower violent crime and Operation Ceasefire coming out of the Attorney General's office, it's it's really a three-legged stool. It's intervention, prosecution, protection. On intervention, uh, I had I met with gang task force leaders, and they said we've seen an explosion of violent youth gangs. And they said, listen, some of the best avenues for young people who are desperate to feel accepted is after-school sports, after-school activities, and our churches. Well, what do we have shut down for close to two years in our society because of COVID, right? And so these, these avenues for young people went away, but the gangs didn't. And so they've had a recruitment bonanza because of these government shutdowns. And so we're going to have a variety of different civic-oriented uh, civic intervention programs for youth. But on prosecution, one of the single most effective ways to lower violent crime is you prosecute repeat violent offenders and you get them off the street. That has been proven time and time again. And so we're having hiring new prosecutors that are going to be cross-designated in the U.S. Attorney's Office. But if you use a gun in the commission of a felony, the message we want to get to society and Virginians is you're going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent possible. Um, that has been a proven method. And then on protection, we met with so many witnesses that said, uh, you know, we don't feel protected. We, we, we are terrified to come forward and testify in court to provide money for witness protection uh, services for them, whether it's lodging or travel. And so uh, we're confident those combinations of common sense, standing with law enforcement, more cops on the streets, then prosecuting repeat violent offenders, and have, uh, coupled with intervention and protection programs, collectively, we're going to see a drop in, in crime. And so uh, we're both excited about the initiative and excited about the partnership we've done with Governor Youngkin uh, moving forward. But that that's the key is... You want to lower crime, go after repeat violent offenders and work with police, give them the tools and the resources they need to do their jobs. The worst thing you can use is to claim you wanted to fund them or, or keep police from being able to do effective, safe, smart policing. And that's unfortunately a lot of really, really maybe naive, well-intentioned, but very naive policies led to the opposite results. And that's where we're seeing crime go up all across the country. Absolutely.
1: Mm, right. Well, immigration is central to America's identity. Immigrants have built this country, and America is founded on a principle of the rule of law. And when we talk about immigration policy, we mostly talk about enforcing the existing laws that were passed by elected representatives. Attorney General Ares, you and attorneys General of 21 other states submitted an amicus brief asking the Supreme Court of the United States to uphold an important federal statute used to enforce immigration laws in United States versus Hansen. And in your supporting statement, you said, and I quote, We are in the middle of a crisis on a southern border. Fentanyl and other illegal substances from the cartels are invading our communities and ravaging families in Virginia and in every corner of our country. Now, more than ever, we need to enforce our immigration laws and secure our border. This statute simply says that individuals cannot encourage others to break existing immigration law. It's common sense. Unquote. Attorney General Millares, could you share with us the background story? Why did you have to intervene, along with 21 other attorneys general, by submitting this amicus brief to the Supreme Court, to uphold law that prohibits encouraging people to break U.S. immigration laws?
2: Well, you know, as you kind of said, common sense is not very common these days, particularly not in Washington. And, and I think you can have two truths at the same time. Truth number one is that we are a nation, you know, I'd say America is a nation of second chances. My faith is a faith of second chances, and America is. And we've given more second chances to more people from more backgrounds and more faiths and creeds and races than any country that's ever existed in the history of the world. And it's very common on the left to somehow bash us. Uh, but the reality is we're a unique country. We're a lot, lot. what Abraham Lincoln said is indeed that last best hope on earth. And one of my favorite quotes is from an Italian immigrant. The first time they ever laid eyes on the Statue of Liberty, they said that is the greatest light the world has ever seen since the star of Bethlehem. And uh, I feel that in my bones because it gave the Miara's family a second chance when we fled communism. And so absolutely, we can recognize that what makes America part of, there's many reasons what makes us so unique. One of that is is we have brought so many here to these shores that have sought freedom. And not surprisingly, everybody wants to come here. That also means that you can have, you can be welcoming to those that want to seek and live under the uh, altar of freedom. At the same time, a sovereign nation has to control its borders. Uh, There is not a country on the planet as generous and is welcoming the immigrants as the United States. It's just, There's nobody even comes close to it. It also means that if you can't control your border, you have no sovereignty as a nation. And that that is another truth, is what's happening on our southern borders. You know, I, I love to go to speak at naturalization ceremonies. The last one I spoke at, 69 people from 35 countries. And you talk to these individuals, they did it the right way. They went through the process. Uh, a lot of paperwork they have to fill out. And um, they're not excited to see folks to, to, quote, cut in line and circumvent the process. And so, um, you know, what you have on our southern border right now, you hear sometimes elected officials use the term crisis. I don't. I rarely ever use that term. I think it's totally misused. What's happening on our border is a crisis. It is a humanitarian crisis, the human trafficking, the exploitation of innocent innocent individuals by the cartels that is that is a horrific horrific that is happening partially because of bad misguided federal policies by the Biden administration encouraging some of this activity the second is the fentanyl it is one of the most dangerous substances on the planet enough fentanyl crosses our southern border to kill every single man woman and child in America twice over uh, enough fentanyl on the fingernail right here in my hand could kill every single person in the studio in the building you're in right now. It's that potent. And the fact is, is that it is crossing our southern border. And in the last 12 months, you've had 108,000 Americans that have overdosed from opioids and fentanyls. And and to put things in perspective, we that is... We lost twice. We lost about fifty-some thousand men and women in Vietnam over the course of fifteen years. So that is the equivalent of two Vietnam wars in twelve months. About fifty-five thousand lost their lives in the Hiroshima nuclear bombing. So it's like two nuclear bombs going off the United States. Uh, it is a tragedy of, of unimaginable proportions. And Governor Yunkin loves to say the right leaders focus on the right priorities. I would remind your listeners that the Biden administration found the time to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. That is larger than the the entire British Army. That's more than the size of the United States Coast Guard. But he could not find the time to hire federal agents to secure our southern border in which you have a of the most dangerous substances known to man crossing our southern border and taking the lives of 100,000 plus Americans in 12 months everybody should just process that right now. And so there is a crisis at our border. It's why we asked um, asked the the, uh, Biden administration to declare fentanyl WMD. WMD. And and there's so many steps that we could do right now to secure our border, but it is solely because of a lack of will. We are not energy independent, not because of a lack of resources, but because of a lack of will. We do not secure our southern border, not because we don't have the resources, but solely because of a lack of will. And what we need right now are people in the federal government to have the will to create safety and security on our southern border and stop this influx of drugs that is leaving too many empty chairs at, at Thanksgiving and birthdays. And, and it is ripping apart families that are losing loved ones. And what's so insidious what these dealers are doing is they are lacing fentanyl in everything, even marijuana. And so people are dying, not even thinking that they're going to take fentanyl. There's a There is uh, two teenagers in Virginia in Prince William County who they were at a party. Somebody said, "Hey, take this. This is a Percocet." It wasn't a Percocet, even though it was stamped as a Percocet. They died from fentanyl. Another teenager died in Warren County from a from a from a, from a Zan- What they thought was a Xanax. That's how insidious it is. It is so prevalent. It's it's taken the lives of so many so many Virginians and Americans. We have to push back, and so that's why we're partnering with other like-minded border security-focused AGs to push back Uh, um, on what's happening on our southern borders is simply unconscionable
0: right now. It's unconscionable. And we really appreciate your leadership on that very vital front. And on America's Greatest Ally, we know that it is Israel, the startup nation, and its innovation and technology benefits America and the world on cybersecurity and shoring up our defense and military capabilities. However, the BDS movement, the Boycott Divestment Sanction Scheme, is targeting Israel. And we're seeing a lot of corporations through the Environmental, Social, and Governance Score also known as ESG, that are targeting Israel. And Attorney General Miarez, you are part of a coalition of 18 state attorneys general who have initiated an investigation into ESG investing ratings company Morningstar Incorporated for alleged violations of Virginia's consumer protection laws. Attorney General Miarez, could you share with us your concerns about the ESG ratings and how it impacts America's closest ally Israel? And is the corporate world really getting the message that these practices violate state laws
2: yeah you know israel is a is an island of democracy in a sea of despotism and uh it is the only functioning democracy in the middle east today and what has been tragic is i don't love to say it but it is a i think it's an empirical fact that the world's oldest form of bigotry is anti-semitism and it is a it is almost like a vampire that emerges through the shadows of history, to strike time and time again, and it is it shows up in some of the most places you wouldn't expect, and now it's showing up. I think, unfortunately, in corporate boardrooms, which the boards of these companies they have actually a fiduciary duty to maximize the, the profits uh, for their company. That's what creates innovation, and candidly, our entire system of free market. Uh, they're violating that when they're deciding to enter in this. This arena, And so I'm not going to get too specific because unlike Merrick Garland in D.C., we don't leak and comment on active investigations, but we are investigating. I would say from an 80,000 feet view, the BDS movement is absolutely anti-Semitic. It is not targeting the what's happening to the Uyghurs in China. It's not targeting what's happened in Tibet. It's not targeting some of the other areas of the world. It is targeting Israel, saying Israel does not have a right to exist as a Jewish state, period. A country of just several million people uh, surrounded by so many undemocratic, non-democratic regimes. And the reality is the only place in the Middle East where you have freedom of worship is Israel. The only place in the Middle East where you have the ability to speak out against your government is Israel. The only place in the Middle East where you can actually participate and vote on who your member of parliament, who your representative, your prime minister is, is Israel. And so it it has always boggled my mind why they have been the victim of such vile hatred and always goes back to my original point. It it is uh, anti-Semitism has been with us uh, since so long as recorded history, unfortunately, and it continues to be with us to this day. And so we're proud of the work we've done in our office on multiple fronts to push back on that uh, because there's no place for that type of bigotry and in in our society.
1: Attorney General Millares, you recently created the Election Integrity Unit at your office, at the Office of the Attorney General in Commonwealth of Virginia, and the purpose of which is to provide advice, support, and resources to ensure that Virginia election law continues to be applied in a uniform manner and increase confidence in Virginia's state elections. And you said, and I quote, I pledged during the 2021 campaign to work to increase transparency and strengthen confidence in our state elections. It should be easy to vote and hard to cheat. The Election Integrity Unit will work to help to restore confidence in our democratic process in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Attorney General Millares, what tools do you have on your disposal in order to secure election integrity and could this serve as a template for other states to adopt?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think election integrity is a, it's a bipartisan issue. Absolutely. You know, I had my staff print off uh, over three pages of quotes from Democratic politicians after the 2000, 2004, and 2016 elections that were decrying the lack of integrity in our election system, that were using terms like the election uh, was stolen. And so uh, I don't think it's healthy uh, in our democracy that anybody right or left is questioning uh, the validity of the elections. I just don't think that's a healthy thing. And so, um, you know, we have just simply committed that that we have what I have original jurisdiction, of a variety of different crimes in Virginia, uh, one of which is election law. My office has reviewed and traditionally advised different state agencies on what the election law is, including the Virginia Department of Elections. And I just think it's it's a way to give people confidence. Um, the right to vote is a precious right. It's part of the reason why my family came here. My mother didn't have the right to vote till she was 38 years old. I remember her taking me with her the first chance she ever had a chance to vote, which was in 1984 for Ronald Reagan. And the fact that she was that old before she could ever exercise a right to vote, the right to vote is precious. So we'll always work to strive and preserve it everyone should have the confidence in our election system. And I think that's part of what makes us a healthy Republic. Mm. Um, And I fully expect in 2024, knock on wood, that we'll have new leadership in the white house. I don't want Democrats to be questioning the integrity of the election 2024. Um, and, And so I just think it's a bipartisan issue. I think it's a common sense issue, but as I said earlier, common sense isn't very common sense these days. And, Um, I I find it a bit curious that uh, some members in the media are attacking the idea of even having an election integrity uh, unit in the AG's office when they were silent and didn't attack when Ralph Northam as a Democratic governor signed a bill in the law in Virginia in 2020, House Bill 539, that used the term election integrity multiple times in the bill. It was carried by a Democrat and voted by every single Democratic member. Of the state house and state senate so it just shows a little bit of the selective memory loss of, of people in the press when they comment on some of these issues
0: attorney general we really appreciate your leadership and your continued work on the vital fronts of our day thank you so much for joining us on america's roundtable and we wish you continued success as you you know defend our precious freedoms uh, in the commonwealth of virginia and across this country
1: thank you so much attorney general Thank
2: you all. God bless you so much. Have a great trip to Israel, okay? (laughs) Thank
1: Thank you you so much. Take care. Take care. Thank you. God bless.
0: This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolad and your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit.
1: America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at AmericasRT.com. AmericasRT.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at AmericasRT. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable!